We all have fearful thoughts that limit our lives and we make decisions accordingly. How much better would life be if we exchange those fears for perfect love and truth? Just saying this feels freeing. Welcome to the Abundantly Me podcast with Tara Olette. She's a life coach, speaker, teacher, and writer. It has been so cool to witness how aware Tara is to God's love as she flips the script of fear, inspiring us to live abundantly. And this is my dear friend, Laura Fonseca, who is the producer of this life-giving podcast. I'm delighted to share space with her as she joyfully depends on God's voice and the written word to love others well within the mysteries of life. Okay, ready to flip the script? Oh, it's time. Let's go. I did not choose to see love. It found me. It was there. I was miraculously given the ability to see it so that I could talk about it today. Tara, hi. 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 I am sitting here um, with Mm. your manuscript, The One, in my lap. Um, Thanks for reading it. Oh my gosh. Thank you for letting me read it. It was such a pleasure to read this story. It's such mm. an amazing um, testimony of flipping the script yeah, of love exactly. over fear. Precisely. And yeah. um, today we're going to dive in a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and talk about some of the events in your book, specifically, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. um, the home invasion, mm-hmm. which was your worst nightmare Yeah, um, kind of come to life. So if we could just start there, could okay. you tell me? Us, yeah. What your worst nightmare was? Simply stated, my worst nightmare was that I would be physically attacked. Um, and I just believed that th- that's it. I was going to be physically attacked. And then as I grew up and, you know, in marriage and a husband who travels for a living, uh, that physical attack was going to be in my home. This is what I'm mentally prepared for. Um, and it would be when I was most vulnerable in the middle of the night. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I can't even believe even hearing me say that now and writing an entire book on it, I just can't believe how fear gripped me so much and believing that it actually was going to happen. And it did. Wow. So you believed that so strongly that it was actually going to happen. Why do you think you feared that? Yeah. I mean, that's, what's really great about writing a memoir. Because I got to look back at that exact question and it kind of unfolded. Um, And I also learned after the nightmare came true, uh, the home invasion of 2008, I realized through my healing journey why I was so tightly wound. Here's the thing. I didn't even really know it. So I did not have language for how fear-based I was. And I thought it was really normal. Mm-hmm. I thought this is just not necessarily that this is what everyone also thinks of and overly thinks about preparing their home for the middle of the night. Um, or, and I, I don't mean just like a preparation, mental, I'm nervous. I'm glad I have a dog in the home or I've got my three young boys at that time to distract me and care for them. So it was less about me and it, it was just like so prevalent in my life and the preparation that I would do to feel safe. I didn't realize how much it was gripping me. I didn't, I had high levels of self-awareness, but not when it came to this mindset, this fear-based mindset 
that until the event happened and I went through a healing journey, I realized it wasn't healthy. It wasn't abundant. Um, God knew. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know. So I learned that it was from my childhood and there's just certain patterns in our family system and, um, and I won't get into this in this episode a lot, but there were just certain um, ways my mom would go about things. And this is in the memoir. My mom's read it. She, she understands that, you know, she did the best she could and there's, there's no judgment whatsoever, but she was raised in a fear-based household due to abuse. She flipped the script and did not um, carry that through raising her children. That was amazing. Um, at the same time, she too didn't realize some of the fear-based beliefs that she had that was just kind of something I naturally um, believed as well. And so as a young girl and as a teen girl and a young adult woman, of course, I'm going to be careful in parking lots and in you know, going places on my own or traveling in the middle of the night, um, you know, in college, I was very thoughtful and aware, like young late girls and young girl women should be, but it was amped up based on, um, like silly things my mom would do is she would, she would lock the doors all the time and she would lock us out of the house on accident. <laughs> so we would do gardening in the backyard and she would accidentally lock the door and realize we've gotten locked out, you know, just the way the lock, mm -hmm. the locks worked. Um, you know, it, it was just like this language and, um, simple things, simple comments like, um, don't forget to put on clean underwear before you leave the house. Because if you get in a car accident, you want to have clean underwear on. <laughs> like, it's like, what, wait a minute, why am I even on a regular basis having in my mind that I might get in a car accident, that that's a high probability yeah. of getting in a car accident. And those are just those like everyday basic care comments, but adding it all together, undoing a lot of what my mom came from me growing up as a young woman and then being in a home on my own, I just didn't realize that those patterns were limiting. I just thought that this is what is normal for me right. and why change it. Right. Right. So fast forward, yeah. you are, I don't know, early thirties. You've got yes. three young kids at home. Ryan's out of town for work and your worst nightmare starts happening. Yeah. So, yeah. So the crux of the story is it was in the middle of the night and I heard the attacker at the front door. I immediately knew um, that I was about to deal with my greatest nightmare. I just knew it was so, the pounding on the front door was so violent. And um, I, I just dealt with it head on. Now, the reason I wrote the memoir is because the details are what make it quite a magnificent story. But just for this, for this moment, the attacker broke down my front door. I decided, which was not a good decision, to deal with it head on uh, with the you know, biggest knife from our chopping block, which ended up being not that, <laughs> not that scary of a knife. I didn't realize that until the end. Um, but here I am. My three young boys are upstairs sleeping and, and I'm holding a knife watching uh, this man 
and listening for what he's doing um, as he's breaking down the front door. He's shouting. Um, and then I just hit it, just watched my attacker break down the front door. And then there was a moment that it was successful. And, and it was this French country kind of predominantly glass door. So unfortunately, it wasn't that difficult to uh, break down. And he was persistent and he was super strong and later learned that he was probably on some sort of a, a heavy drug that gave him that like superhuman strength. I forgot what one that is. But and so he's telling me everything he's going to physically do to me and there's nothing stopping him from doing it anymore because the doors, you know, the middle of the door is completely busted open, glasses all over my foyer. And I'm standing in my pajamas holding him, you know, at knife point. And, um, and then there's a moment when I looked up and my boys were at the top of the stairs, the two older boys. And at that time they were five and three. And I looked up, which meant I could only see the attacker from maybe my peripheral view. And I told the boys very quickly to go to their bedroom and thank goodness they listened and went to their bedroom. And, and I could see the attacker from my peripheral enter into my home. And so by the time he crossed the threshold of my home and I was now directly looking at him, there was this shift in the atmosphere and he didn't fall to the ground. He didn't stumble. He didn't get tired. It was this unexplainable shift and he just was on the ground. Now, the best way to articulate it, he laid down on the ground, but when he was on the ground looking up, head towards me, feet towards the doorway, he was so violent and yelling and flailing around as is as when he was standing moments earlier telling me what he was going to do and it was um the worst a woman would want to hear what he was saying he was going to do to me and so again more of the details are in the in the memoir but at this time the dispatcher who i had also i had the phone to my ear and the knife in my right hand and i'm holding the knife down towards his face and I'm standing with my back towards the steps where my boys were mm -hmm. going upstairs. So I've, I'm staring at him on the ground, listening to what he's going to do. And the dispatcher in my left hand and my ear was saying that the police are like very close. And then I saw the headlights pull up to our driveway and I, you know, started feeling a little bit more confident that I'm not going to be handling this on my own. And at this point, it was like 15 minutes that I was taking care of this situation by myself. And when the police officers, when I saw them coming closer to the front door, it was at that point that I then started going up the steps, knowing the police officers are protecting me. But before that even happened, like I sensed something present before I even went upstairs. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, when you're holding the intruder down on the ground, mm -hmm. you've got the knife to his face and he's flailing around, but it's almost as though he's supernaturally being held down. Yeah. God showed up in that moment for you. Yeah. 
And can you explain yes, more about it's that? So this is what's so interesting. When I'm writing the memoir, I tried to stay true to who Tara was at that time. And I didn't understand what I understand now about spirituality, about God. I was maybe getting to know how God and Jesus are one and the same or different or how is this working <laughs> as a new Christian. And then I didn't even have language for spirit or Holy Spirit. And so all I knew at that moment is there was a, a presence of protection. Like love was already in the room and I knew it. And I now know that we are triune beings. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and in our soul comprises our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then there's our body. So I am physically experiencing this attack. My body is experiencing it. My mind is trying to wrap my brain around like, what is happening? This is my worst nightmare. It's a complete traumatic experience. My emotions are all over the place, terrified. And my will is protecting my kids. At the exact same terrifying moment, my spirit knew love was in the room and it wasn't just for me. Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets extra glorious in the memoir. Uh, in the home invasion story, which is why it's called The One. And that's just an awesome, you know, another message, a, a message for another day. But so I didn't have the language for it. And in the memoir, I didn't name it like, well, no, I did. I said God was present. So it's like my spirit was talking that love pursued me. And it's like God taught me how to flip the script just by his, who he is, the man of God, the father in heaven protected me even when I didn't know like there is such a thing as flipping the script and choosing mm -hmm. love over fear. Right in the middle of the scenario, God gave me this formula, this process, mm -hmm. how, to, how to access him. It's just craziness. But that was in the moment. Right. And I didn't even have language for it, but I felt it. You felt I it. I experienced it. And it wasn't even that that time you didn't have to choose it because it happened to you. Yes. He pursued me. He was present in the room. And I'll never, ever, ever forget that. And that's just in the middle of the pain, in the middle of my worst nightmare, pure trauma for me. God pursued me. God showed up. That's awesome. And in that moment, this is kind of the pivotal moment that has sparked mm. your ministry that yeah. has kind of become like the pain has become the Come platform on. or yes. the mess has become the message. Yeah. Like you've been able to really flip the script and not just for yourself, but now you are like trying to help other people flip yes. the script in their lives by being able to see where love shows up. That's right. It's awesome. Like it, it almost... <laughs> annoys me because I sometimes lose human words to articulate the majesty of what's afforded to us. Um, and so, yeah, to be able to have experienced that and then to, to allow in my one-on-one -on -one sessions or in small groups, gosh, even in a huge crowd, to be able to teach people what I experienced and to go through a healing, 
um, or even just this level of wholeness and abundance, knowing that no matter what and even if, that we can flip the script and find love in the moment, like right now. And yeah, I mean, I was nervous. There was a period of time I didn't, there was like 10 years hmm. that I didn't articulate this. Partly, <laughs> there's a whole other part of the memoir, like kind of what happened after the home invasion story and after the court proceedings and everything was taken, everything was done. I mean, I went back into my normal every day. I was a um, teacher and then I moved into being an administrator and I kind of, I would share the story every so often, but I realized in a whole new levels of fear. So that was fear of physical safety. And I healed a lot from that. But then I became more self-aware of all these other everyday fears. And so to be able to show people how to flip the script, not only in traumatic experiences, the no matter what and even ifs, because I've had plenty more of those, mm -hmm. unfortunately, yet fortunately, because continuously going through them and continuously having um, a lot of practice flipping the script, choosing love over fear, I, I have more and more precise language. Again, sometimes I lose it because it's such an experience. I, I just want to, I just, I want my clients and groups to experience what I experienced and it's very, very successful. And then just, but sometimes I lose the words for what happens in the spiritual realm and how God is already doing it for us, mm -hmm. no matter what and even if on our end of things. So what you're saying is that after you healed from the home invasion, it's not like all of your fears yeah, were good. healed and it's not like right. you never fear anything. You still have everyday fears yes. like the rest of us, right? Yes. <laughs> Very right, much. Right, Kara? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I wish it would be really awesome if like I was healed from fears forever. And it just because we are living on this side of heaven, because we are not promised, um, you know, just the yellow brick road, everything is just paved well for us and our kids and our marriages and our loved ones and grandkids and whatever it, it we live um, life with an opposing force and with free will. And um, we have a mind that is always serving our environment to keep us alive. That's fear. It's just, it's life or death. And so the very basic primitive part of our being is scanning for anything to be afraid of so that we can self-protect and, and care for ourselves. And that's just the knee-jerk thoughts and feelings that might but if we're self-aware, if we increase our self-awareness and, um, and live an intentional life and remember that we have a spirit within us and as believers of Jesus, we have his Holy Spirit within us that gives us that ability that, yep, this is my knee-jerk fear, but let me name it, recognize it. I mean, this could be at the kitchen sink or this could be uh, in the middle of some traumatic event or the traumatic event already happened and I want to heal from it. So we get to access the Holy Spirit and his guidance in where is love in this exact same scenario that was once so fear-based and, and rightfully so. Uh, and so um, 
yeah, we get to access it. I like to be able to teach people how to do that, how to recover, how to find joy again um, in the everyday, not just in heavy traumatic events. Right. And I think that's what this podcast, we're going to be doing a lot of that. We're going to be hopefully talking to people that have worked through their fear. Um, Yeah. I mean, is there some of the moving forward? um, And thank you so much for just holding space for us to remember why we're doing what we're doing. And me specifically, and I know you've got some stories of your own, but for this episode, just me specifically, this the, the pain that I endured, I flipped the script on it and I chose to follow God's lead. That's what I was saying earlier is that for 10 years, I muted that truth because fear of what people would think. Mm. And so even though I had an amazing encounter with God and even though I had an amazing encounter with Jesus um, days after, I haven't even talked about that in this episode, but days after had this true divine white light healing encounter. I didn't want to talk about it because I was fearing what other people thought. So it's like, oh, this is your testimony. There's nothing to be afraid of. No one can steal your story. Oh, but they did. I mean, there were people who bumped up against it and challenged me based on their beliefs. And I was okay with that because I was so passionate about what happened. But I got busy in the everyday. I was focused on my passion, my career, which is nothing wrong with that. But I also had another fear that popped up that I didn't even know was there. And that was um, survivor's remorse or guilt. Um, And I thought, oh my goodness, that is what that is. Because a lot of one of the reasons I muted the truth of how God flipped the taught me to flip the script was I knew that there were countless other women who had been in similar situations and they didn't fare as well. Mm. And so I thought, who am I? Which is a fear-based statement. It's a limiting belief of my identity. Who am I that God would interact with me? Why didn't God interact with them or her or this child or this accident or this situation? And Again, I just named the fear. I pressed into it. Sometimes it was through counseling. Sometimes it was through my own, having my own life coach and working through it. And it was realizing I was more afraid of people's responses than sharing the truth of how God did show up so that I could tangibly hold on to the truth that love is present through everything, no matter what and even if. And so if I just stay true to my self, my story, true to who God is, both in scripture, but also in experience. uh, That's all I need to just stay focused on and then just share Mm -hmm. so that I'm not limiting my abundant life and how I could, you know, bless somebody else. Um, So, well, I'm so thankful for your sharing because it is inspiring mm -hmm. um, to me and I'm sure to other people as well. So I love that we are talking about these things so that we can help inspire other people to live out of their fear because yes. you're not going to get rid of it, um, but it doesn't have to rule That's right. your life. That's right. Um, yeah. We, we often will say fear limits and it's a liar. There's parts of fear that do truly keep us safe, but we're talking about being aware how it might be. And this is the language we use out of pure loving curiosity. Might this thought of mine which is typically rooted in fear, might it be limiting me? Might it be um, 
lying about the truth of what's also. Yes, this is happening. Yes, this happened to me. But what are other possibilities? What are other ways of seeing it? And most importantly, what is love saying about this exact dynamic? And, um, and, and is this thought that I have that's probably rooted in fear, is it a, is it a um, liability to my abundant life? And so I am so excited, as you've mentioned, where we're going to go in the next um, episodes are interviewing other people, talking to you about other things as well, um, where people have worked through, they flipped the script and they've entered into the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Everything is rooted in John 10, 10. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life in abundance. And so we're going to talk with people who have acknowledged fears, who've then flipped the script and moved into a space that they were invited into that they had to, it did take courage to mm -hmm. do it. We want to have conversations with people, ordinary people and people maybe who are a little bit more known and, and, um, just hearing from, from all sorts of people that God invites us into, uh, and hoping <laughs> who we have on our mind is able and says yes. And, um, and so to be very specific as we close this up, I do want to be, I want to teach people how to access yeah, this, cause right? Because it's, it's available to everyone. Yes, everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and how do we flip the script? And as we share different stories, it's going to be more um, applicable and tangible for everybody. It doesn't, it's not just for the few. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so grateful, man. I mean, that's what Jesus, the personhood of Jesus no matter what our beliefs are, because I know our beliefs can get all over the place when it comes to our faith, but keeping it super um, uh, specific and simple that Jesus came, God, it's the Christmas season, mm -hmm. you know, right now yeah. it happens to be yeah. just days away from Christmas. And just this squishy baby Jesus, like Jesus is a gift to everyone that God um, wanted to heal the world, the entire world from, from these fears, from these lies we believe about our true identity, about why he made us to begin with. And, and it, you know, Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy our purpose and our joy. And so here in the Christmas season, we're being reminded that Jesus is a gift for the world, for everyone. And we're just saying like, man, the personhood of Jesus gives us this abundant life. It's just naturally by resting in this truth that it sets us free from the lies that limit or, um, you know, our liability to that, to mm -hmm. that abundant relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit that's within us. So I am so excited to see where God has, what he has planned for the rest of this podcast. Me too. I can't wait. Yeah. All right. To have a little fun with flipping the script, we created a segment called the Wheel of Fear, where we will take everyday situations that can be fearful and give ourselves the opportunity to choose love over fear. We will rock, paper, scissors for who goes each week. Okay. And whoever loses rock, paper, scissors 
has to spin the wheel of fear. Wheel of fear! <laughs> I love it. And then that person has to, in some way, shape, or form, follow through with um, whatever was shown on the wheel. And there's no like losing that process. It's really just helping to increase self-awareness and um, being more intentional with pressing into the fear. So um, let's try. All right. And like, it. let it speak for itself. Okay. Are you ready? We're going to yes. wrap paper, oh scissors. Gosh, I'm nervous. nervous. <laughs> I really want you to try this first. <clears throat> Here ready? we go. Ready? Okay. One, two, three, two. Oh, okay. yes. <laughs> I win and you lose. <laughs> okay, great. Let's spin the wheel of fear. Okay, this is a really good one to start with. Okay, so this one is following through with a, a kind gesture. Some a friend of mine has offered her place in Florida, and it's very simple. Just say thank you, yes, please. Why haven't I said thank you, yes, please? Why haven't you? That we're working on it because that's where we're gonna go. All right. So. I must be believing something like a limited belief, uh, a fear about myself, about her, about the gesture. There's some reason I'm procrastinating on this. So I can't wait. Um, so my task is to give it a try this week so that by episode three, I will report out. And I think the success, successful report out is that I ask her. I mean, I, yeah, I follow up on her gesture yeah, and ask like absolutely. pick a certain date. So that's what I think feels like um, moving into action and a, like a successful flip in the script, choosing love over fear. But we'll see where it goes. Yeah. We're holding it loose. I can't wait. Yeah. To hear what you're, yeah. what you get from this. Okay. Well, yeah, because <laughs> you're probably going to be going with me. <laughs> Not just that, but also the fear of overcoming yeah. and all the, all the good stuff. Can't it's wait such to hear a about it. simple, simple one to start with, but that's why we like, this is silly stuff. Right. But let's like, let's kick it to the curb. Good stuff. All, All right. right. See you guys next week. We are so glad you listened to this episode of the Abundantly Me podcast, where we flip the script on fear and exchange it for perfect love and truth. Want to stay in touch? Please consider subscribing. And if you would like to continue the conversation from an episode, go to AbundantlyMe.org to access our podcast group. And remember, when it comes down to it, the greatest way not to allow fear to be a liar, a limiter, or a liability is to first be loved by God. Then we can show up in life motivated by truth and love that sets us free. And we would love a virtual hug by sharing, liking, and leaving a review, which also allows others to learn about this free service. 